Hey everybody, welcome to the Jen Carroll Podcast. Let's get started. So today I thought I'd try something different. I have a murder book. It's a murder book. And when I was telling my friend I couldn't find my murder book the other day, and I was driving me crazy because I've had it my whole life since I was 18, my friend said, oh, I have a friend who has a murder book. And I said, yeah, you do. <laughs> Actually, I have two. I have the original and I have one I made a photocopy of, which I found both. Finally, it took me forever, but I have been carrying these around my whole life and put articles in them as they were printed. And then it started getting away from me because the articles were too many and the crime was unsolved. And it was news from all over California as soon as we found out it was a serial killer and then att attached to the Easteria rapist. So what I have is a mur murder book that really goes back to Ventura and the first days. As we know, I've been spending more time in my 18-year-old memory remembering things, and I thought it might be interesting today to read this article from the Ventura County Starfree Press from March 17, 1980. So this is the day after Gary found them. So um, it's the Monday when I said the Starfree Press would come out the next day around 3.30. It did. It's kind of funny because this newspaper is a small town paper. It says on here it's 26 pages long and this issue sold for 20 cents. But emblazoned on the cover is a picture of my dad and Charlene and then their house with the police crawling all over the place and their two cars. Plus there's a giant white truck that I got to drive later which was ridiculous because I'm five foot two and that truck was huge. I had to get help just to get up into the truck, but it was a fun truck and it was a three quarter ton and the, the pickup bed of that pickup had a lift. So uh, we had a lot of fun with that truck, but uh, that's a different story. So if we go back to the newspaper, Star Free Press, it came out on a Monday. It, it was probably around 3.30 when it came out. And this was an article written by Skip Rimmer and Rita Beamish. And the headline says, Lawyer Wife Found Slain Inventor a Home. And then there is a subhead, because I guess that took over the whole thing, but there was a subhead that said, Son Finds Beaten Pair in Clearpoint Bedroom. The reason I wanted to go back and read these articles is as I've reviewed them, there was a lot of information that we didn't have. And there was, now I know there's conflicting information. And I'll talk more about that when I get to it. And that's what I thought I'd do this like uh, mystery science theater, which I thought was like a brilliant show because everybody knows that it's fun to be snarky when you're watching something. So I thought I'd read these articles and then tell you what was actually true or different or whatever. But I think it could be kind of fun to go way back in time. So this is one of my news clipping uh, episodes. And this is the very first article that came out about Lyman and Charlene. Son finds a beaten pair in Clearpoint bedroom. A prominent attorney and his wife were found slain Sunday in the bedroom of their expensive Ventura hillside home, where they had apparently been bludgeoned to death more than two days earlier. Now, later, we're going to have to talk about what expensive Ventura hillside home was, because this was a pretty moderate home. It wasn't that expensive relative to some of the other homes in Ventura, especially. But that is how this thing takes off. Prominent attorney, expensive Ventura hillside home. Please, please know that is all within being a small town. These things would not be true if you were comparing him to Orange County or to Beverly Hills or anywhere else where there were really, really prominent attorneys. But in our county, I do, I am aware my dad was prominent. It, it makes this sound so much grander and romantic than it was. Sorry, now back to our story. Lyman R. Smith, 43, believed to be a leading candidate for appointment to one of two vacancies on this superior court, and his wife Charlene, 33, were found just after 2 p.m. Sunday by Smith's 12-year-old son, Gary 
who had come over to the house to mow his father's lawn, according to Smith's ex-wife, Marjorie. Yes, my dad and Charlene were 10 years apart. If you hadn't done that math before, it's true. The boy, who lives with his mother about one half mile from the Smith's Clearpoint home, went into the bedroom and found his father lying face down in bed, she said. The boy's stepmother was lying face up next to Smith, though she was covered with a sheet or blanket, sources said. Both had been beaten about the head with a club-type instrument, police said. A log, possibly used to kill the couple, was found lying on the bed. Investigators, however, would confirm only that a log was found in the bedroom, and they said they did not know if that was the murder weapon. Remember, this is the very first day, and the police are being pretty cagey. Smith, whose legal practice was headquartered in Santa Paula, where he was active in civic affairs, was long a prominent figure in the county's Democratic Party leadership. Remember I told you we were a political family, and I was trotted out to political events all the time. It is actually pretty fun. I did well because I can yap, but that was something we did as kids all the time. Lyman, Marge, and the kids would go to political functions. And Santa Paula is a small town next to Ventura. It's a really little, little town next to Ventura. It was a very sweet place to grow up. It was the kind of town where if you're out riding your bikes, everybody would bust you. I mean, you just were busted no matter what. Let's get back to the story. Marjorie Smith told the Star Free Press that her ex-husband's house had been ransacked and a bedroom alarm clock set for early morning was still ringing when Gary entered the unlocked house. Ventura's police sergeant Gary Adkinson, however, denied that the home had been ransacked and said there were apparently was no burglary. He said there were no signs that either a struggle had taken place or that someone had broken into the home. Okay, just let's all bear with us because this is just the first day, but the police are definitely being cagey. Atkinson said investigators do not believe the home was burglarized. He said they are investigating the deaths as a double slaying. The scene was apparently bloody and Gary tried to call his mother. When she did not answer, he called police who arrived at the home 573 High Point Drive around 2.15 p.m. The area was quickly sealed off by police until a search warrant could be obtained from Superior Court Judge Marvin Lewis, a friend of the Smiths who lives just up the street from the couple. Now that's something I forgot, that the search warrant was provided by Marv Lewis, who the Lewises are the ones who found Gary sitting in front of the house that day. So how convenient that Marv was the one who did the search warrant. There were no suspects in custody as of this morning, and the police would not speculate on a possible motive for the slayings. Two gardeners, who were working at the house when Gary arrived, were questioned by police but are not considered suspects, investigators said. According to neighbors and friends, Mrs. Smith was last seen alive Thursday night in front of her house. Smith, a member of the Santa Paula firm of Romney, Smith & Drescher, was at work Thursday but did not call in the next day, Phil Drescher, one of his law partners, said. Smith missed an appointment Friday, but others in the office covered for him, Drescher said. They figured he had taken on another assignment without telling them. We didn't think much of it because it was just one appointment Friday. He was out of the office a lot recently. Smith's former wife, who also has custody of their other two children, Jenny, 18, and Jay, 15, said Smith usually talked to the boys and his daughter at least once a week. He didn't call on the weekend, and we figured maybe he was on a trip or something, Smith Smith said. Neighbors said they thought it was strange that both the Smith cars were in front of their home Friday, but said they did not hear or see anything unusual late Thursday or early Friday when the couple is believed to have been killed. Lewis said he went over to the Smith's house Friday evening to talk to him about the pending Superior Court appointments, but got no answer when he knocked on the door. He said he called on the phone when he got home, but again, no answer. An autopsy was scheduled for today to determine the cause of death and probable time of death. Miss Smith learned of the slayings when she drove to the Smith's house to see if Gary was mowing the lawn and saw dozens of police cars outside the residence. I kind of feared the worst, and of course it was pretty true, she said. While police were waiting for the search warrant, Smith's daughter rode up to the home on a moped. 
She was crying and had to be comforted by police officers. Okay, I don't think I was in the moped, on a moped. Maybe I was, but I don't remember the moped. I remember driving our Volkswagen. And second of all, I was not comforted by the police officers, so I don't know what they're talking about. Police went into the home about 5.25 p.m. after receiving the warrant. Okay, that's not true either because they did go in the home sooner, but I guess they had to do the search part at 5.25 p.m. After receiving the search warrant, District Attorney Michael Bradbury was at the home when officers went inside, but he did not enter the house. Friends and colleagues expressed shock when they were told of the killings. They praised Smith as one of the county's outstanding attorneys. He was highly competent attorney, said Drescher. He was uniformly respected by his peers, and he was uniformly liked. He was a terrific and capable guy. Okay, I'm going to laugh a little bit because that just sounds so funny. If anybody ever described you as a terrific and capable person, that's kind of weird, the capable part. Like, no, he's not capable at all. Never mind. Okay, I digress. I'm going to get back on track here. Smith, a former deputy district attorney, was one of four attorneys whose names have been submitted by the governor to the state bar for evaluation in connection with a possible appointment to one of two vacancies on the Superior Court. The other three attorneys whose names have been submitted are Assistant Public Defender Kevin Cleaver, Bill Peck of Ventura, and Ventura County Councilman Ronald Harrington. So this is so interesting because Bill Peck was a really good friend of my dad's, and it turns out, as, as, as it all turns out, Mr. Cleaver got the job with my Uncle Bill. We called him Uncle Bill. But my dad would have been so happy to have that job with Uncle Bill. They would have thought they were so badass. They were at law school together at Bolt at Berkeley. And so they'd known each other forever and had worked together forever. Drescher, who knew Smith for years, said his partner has an excellent chance at being appointed to the bench. Any way you cut it, Lyman had to get one of them, Drescher said. Lewis, who learned of the killing when he and his wife Claire drove by the Smith's house on a shopping trip shortly after the police arrived, said he was stunned. He was an excellent attorney, Lewis said of Smith. He was someone who never lost his temper. He had good judgment and an ability to get along with people. Okay, so this is interesting. Now reading this, here I am at my age reading this that happened in 1980. My dad always lost his temper. Maybe he didn't lose his temper with his peers, but with us, he lost his temper all the time. In fact, that was one of the things that made us crazy. So my dad could lose his temper without you knowing he was going to lose his temper. And it was unpredictable. And often when he would get mad, it wasn't proper relationship to the crime. Like his level of madness didn't fit the crime. In fact, I remember my mom screaming at him once saying, you get so mad about all the wrong things. And that was classic my dad. Like he would just all of a sudden lose it. And there you go. And you wouldn't even know what you'd done wrong. So that's interesting. Mrs. Lewis, who used to work with Mrs. Smith when both of them were legal secretaries in Muni Court, said she had lunch Thursday with Mrs. Smith, who was in good spirits. She was really enjoying her new job. She was really up and everything was going well for her. Mrs. Smith had just begun a new job in home decorating, Mrs. Lewis said. Now, let's be clear. Home decorating and interior decorator are two different things. I suspect my stepmother was a professional shopper, so she could shop for anyone, anywhere, and anything. And she also, let me just tell you, this is the kind of shopper she was. She bought a leather couch for the family room at my dad's house and sent back three of them because they were imperfect when they arrived. Now, I mean they were imperfect. They were otherwise perfect. There was just a tiny flaw, and she made them take the leather couch all the way back and come back again. The joke was after they died, and the couch came to our house, and we trashed that couch. I mean, we used it like a couch. It was a big old, really wonderful to sleep on leather couch. And we always used to say Charlene's turning over in her grave because we were just treating this couch like animals. But, man, it was a really good couch, and it was great for sleeping on, and we, were, we weren't even barely allowed to sit on it. Holy smoke, she had a fit. She had to check our clothes first to make sure there was nothing sharp on our pockets before we were allowed to sit on that couch when it was at her house. 
Superior Court Judge Stephen Stone, a former law partner and one of Smith's closest friends, could not believe Smith was dead. I am really stunned and shocked, Stone said, although I've seen a number of horrible crimes in my courtroom, it hits you harder when you're close to the victim, and I was very close to him. Stone said he last talked with Smith about Wednesday of last week, and he said the pending judicial appointment was discussed. He was very pleased and happy that his name had been submitted by the governor, Stone said. Lyman was highly thought of by the bench, bar, and clients, he added. He was a genuine credit to his profession. He was a remarkably able lawyer. It's a real loss to the legal community. Uh, Steve Stone, by the way, is awesome. I've talked to him since all this stuff happened with D'Angelo, and he's still the bomb and still really funny. He was just the warmest, sweetest man. He was a judge for a lot of years uh, after my dad died, and I just he had kids the same age as m me and Jay, and I just adored him. Edwin Beach, another totally awesome man. Edwin Beach, a former law partner of the Smiths and now an appellate court justice, said today what he was shocked by the news of the Smiths' death. I'm stunned, Beach said. It was a tragic loss to the f profession. He was an excellent attorney who could handle many different kinds of things. Smith was born in Pocatello, Idaho on April 7, 1936. He received his law degree from Bolt Hall, University of California, and joined the Ventura County District Attorney's Office as a law clerk in October of 1961. Um, little hair flip there because I was just born a few short months later. After passing the state bar exam, Smith became a deputy district attorney in January 1962. He stayed with the office until October 1963 when he joined Stone and Beach to form the Santa Paula law firm of Beach, Stone, and Smith. Drescher joined them about two years later. Eventually, Beach and Stone left to go to the bench, and Blaine Romney joined the firm, forming what is today known as Romney, Smith, and Drescher. He was a past secretary of the Ventura County Bar Association. Smith was married to Marjorie Smith for 17 years before they separated in 1972. He and Charlene celebrated their fourth wedding anniversary in December. They lived alone in their Clearpoint home. Charlene Smith had no children. Smith was a former chairman of the Ventura County Democratic Central Committee and former trustee of the Santa Paula High School District. He was president of the Santa Paula Boys Club and the Santa Paula Reuterer Club. He was also a former owner of Maverick International Airlines, which was formed to fly cattle to Iran. The company went out of business during the recent crisis in that country. He had been a member of the Satakoy Country Club since 1971. Services for the couple are pending. The Satakoy Country Club is where my dad hung out all the time, and I loved that Satakoy Country Club when he would take us. It had a pool, and so we could go there to swim, but here was the best part, and it's so funny to kids what matters, but there was a snack bar there, and they made the best turkey sandwiches, and they also had ice cream cones, and we were allowed, I can't believe this is true, but we were allowed to go to the snack bar and order lunch or snacks on my dad's tab, which was... I guess made my dad feel like he was probably had made it and he was a rich guy, but it made us feel like we were like so rich. It's the silliest thing now that I'm a grown up and I look at it, but back then it was so exciting and it made us feel so badass. So that is the end of this article. That was the first day. And I am going to go ahead and get the article from the next day because I think it's just as interesting. About three days later, I don't have the exact date, but I know it's March and I want to say it was like the 20th. Greg Zaroya, who was a reporter at the Star Free Press, who I really liked, I think I ran into him at school stuff as well when he was reporting on school functions or school news. But Greg Zaroya was great. And this article now I think is interesting because we'll start to hear some things that we know we know are not true. And I wonder here if the police are lying on purpose or if they really didn't know. We'll all have to figure this out. Star Free Press, March 20th, Police Mum About Leads in Slaying of Lawyer, Wife. Ventura police detectives continued probing the deaths of attorney Lyman Smith and his wife Charlene today, but were offering no new information about what happened or why. 
The two were found bludgeoned to death in the bedroom of their hillside home in the Clearpoint area of Ventura on Sunday. Investigators were particularly closed-mouthed about the how the killings occurred. A seven-hour autopsy conducted Monday at County General Hospital Ventura confirmed that both had died as the result of blows to the head by a blunt object. Ventura County Medical Examiner Coroner Dr. Ronald Kornblum estimated the time of death for the prominent attorney and his attractive wife at sometime Thursday night or Friday morning. I am very optimistic that we may solve the case. We have no suspects. We have no motive. Not yet, but it's just under active investigation, said Captain Paul Lydic. Twelve-year-old Gary Smith, who first found the bloody bodies of his father and stepmother in their bedroom Sunday afternoon and then calmly notified authorities, seemed to be handling the crisis well Monday evening. We talked about it, and he gets it all out, and I think it's gonna, he's going to do very well, said his mother, Marjorie Smith. Gary missed school Monday, but will probably attend class today, his mother said. Predicting that things may get worse as a memorial service for the boy's father grows closer, it's tentatively set for 2 p.m. Friday at the Santa Paula Episcopal Church. Ms. Smith remained confident her son would be fine. He's really a level-headed kid, she said. He doesn't keep anything inside, and that's important. But he doesn't dwell on it either. Neighbors around the Smith's expensive Clearpoint home. Do we see the theme here, by the way? Prominent, expensive, affluent, beautiful. Oh, my goodness. It's just I, the, uh, the, ad the adjectives here are kind of nuts. Neighbors around the Smith's expensive Clearpoint home were a bit skittish Monday night as they considered how close violence had come to their own lives. I'm sure it's not going to make sleeping too easy, one man said after asking that he not be identified. What really unnerves me is that I figure in this neighborhood there's enough homes with people observing other homes. It surprised me that this kind of thing could have occurred. I guess it doesn't matter where you live, said Susan Petresco, whose home overlooks the Smith's residence. If somebody's going to come and get you, they're going to come and get you. Wow, no truer words have ever been said. Uh, that was an editorial comment on my part. Okay, back. Although she said she is not really frightened that the slayings occurred so close by, Mrs. Petresco said we will probably be keeping the door locked anyway just to keep it safe. Some neighbors speculated, as others have, that the Smith's death may be related to his widespread activity in civic affairs. A leading candidate for appointment to one of two vacancies on the Superior Court, Smith was also a prominent figure in the county's Democratic Party leadership. He was a member of the Santa Paula law firm of Romney, Smith & Drescher. I'm going to start laughing now because they said this. <laughs> he was very quiet, said Joan Taylor, who with her husband Don lived just below the Smiths' resident on High Point Drive. They, like other residents, noted nothing unusual between Thursday when the Smiths were last seen alive and Sunday when their bodies were found, although Mrs. Taylor can remember an eerie feeling when her huge dog Saxon woke her at 2 a.m. and led her to the back door. He went around to the side gate facing the Smith home and just looked around. He didn't bark, and there wasn't a sound around, said Mrs. Taylor. It was kind of scary, really, she said of the whole affair. It's comforting to have Saxon around, isn't it, Taylor asked his wife at one point. The executive of Smith's will is his law partner, Phil Drescher. Drescher said the memorial service will be under the direction of Robert Stetler Funeral Home. The mood at many businesses and government offices turned toward the brutal slayings Monday. At the noon meeting of the Santa Paula Rotary, which Smith was a member and past president, the mood was particularly somber. In a short address acknowledging Smith's untimely death, President Albert Ebb Tate said nothing prepared him as chief Rotarian for the sudden shock of losing a fellow member. I do not know what Lyman would wish us to do in this situation, Tate said to the dozens of other members present. I can only rely on my own belief that our tasks and functions must continue. Although our rage and grief may be concealed, the resumption of our ways is evidence of deep regard and no disrespect. Okay, can we just back up a minute to this neighbor, Joan Taylor, said my dad was really quiet. I had been called up there to break up a fight. I know they had fights all the time. 
I think to live in lower on a hill means you didn't hear the noise because he was not really quiet. He wasn't ridiculously loud. There were no kids really living up there with him, and he and Charlene were out a lot. But on the other hand, those two did have fights. So I think when you live down a hill from somebody, you just don't hear their noise. This is the dog, though, that I think was heard barking, and it's interesting that the dog heard something, probably Charlene screaming. And at this point, you can see in this story, they're really not talking about anything, no rape. They're saying things weren't disturbed. That's just not true. So I'm not sure why they're taking this position, but we know now a lot more happened inside that house and that the cushions were messed up. Gary saw it. I don't know why they said that, that nothing had been disturbed, and we know that D'Angelo went through drawers and things, and Dad and Charlene's drawers had been gone through, so I just don't understand why this positioning, other than they think, I think they're probably being cagey so they could solve the crime. Okay, that's all I'm going to do for this section right here. I just think it's interesting, at the very beginning of this crime, if you can see how narrowly focused it is, now you can see why I was called in for a lie detector test, because they're not even dealing with the fact that Charlene was raped, and that they had been tied up. There's so much more to this story, but they were keeping it quiet. It's interesting when I go back to this story now, because I know when I heard Larry Poole describe what Charlene went through on the rapes, I was so shocked. Now I know why, because they really didn't set up anything. There's more articles to come, and we'll read those later, and I'm not going to read ahead because I'll read them with you for the first time. But wow, yeah, there's just a lot of information they were not sharing with us. If you have any questions or if you want to give me feedback on looking at these articles and sharing them with you, please, please send me comments. Let me know. If you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate it. And I'm out. Until next time.